we have been conditioned first to tolerate noise. Then, before long, we start to expect noise. And then before you know it, we find that we crave it. Most people have a difficult time with silence. When we get home from school or from church or what have you, immediately, um, and we're all guilty of it, our kids and us, we cut on the TV, we cut on some music, something to fill the silence. I'm not saying that's wrong, but we just don't really know what to do with silence. As a society, we have virtually lost the ability to sit and be quiet. We've, we've, and again, I'm not saying this is wrong, but we've cultivated entire ministries to children so that they don't have to learn how to sit still and be quiet in church. Now, my parents didn't have a problem with teaching me that. You know. And I'm not against children's ministries. I think we've demonstrated that. But it's okay to teach your kids to be quiet. And you know why most kids aren't capable of being quiet? Because the parents aren't capable of being quiet. This is especially evident in our devotional lives, isn't it? Now, we can, we can force ourselves to be quiet when it's something that we really, really see the point in. Like, for instance, and once again, you know I'm not against hunting, but we don't have a problem being quiet in the tree stand. But when we sit down with the Word of God, all manner of distraction and noise finds its way into our thinking, doesn't it? Yeah. There's a wonderful word in the Bible that has been hijacked by Eastern religious philosophy, and that word is meditate. Now, the English word meditate shows up in our Bibles 14 times, but the Greek and Hebrew words that are translate meditate show up 50 times. They're translated in other ways. Of these Five different Greek and Hebrew words. I want to focus in one word particularly, and that's the word shiach. It, um, it speaks most to the idea of what we're talking about tonight, the idea of silence as a part of one's worship. We see it here in Psalm 55, verse number 16. David is speaking. He says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. You say, well, I didn't see the word meditate there. No. But the Hebrew word shiach, which is often translated meditate here, is translated into the word pray. Now, I want you to notice a distinction that's here. 
evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. He's talking about two types of prayer. He's talking about the prayer that is verbal and vocal. But he's also talking about a prayer that is quiet. Evening, morning, and at noon. What's David saying? My silent worship is thrice important in my life. Three times a day, I get quiet. If David managed to do it three times a day, as busy as he was, is it reasonable to think that we should find a way to be quiet once a day? All of the words translated meditate have uses that include speaking and noise, and shiok does too, but shiok has a use that means silent reflection and quiet rehearsal. Silent reflection and quiet rehearsal. Let me say that one more time so we remember it. Silent reflection and quiet rehearsal. And all of the verses that we're going to reference tonight, that's how it's used. Okay. So if the Lord will help us, I hope that we can learn the value of real Bible meditation in our worship and in our devotional lives. You'll forgive the title, I hope. May God help us to learn to sit down and hush up. To sit down and hush up. Father, help me to learn this important lesson. And for tonight, help me to be used of you to teach it to all of us. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're talking about meditating, sitting down and hushing up. You ever had to say that to your kids? Sit down, hush up. That's what God's saying to us tonight. It's hard, isn't it? It felt like an eternity that I was sitting over here. It was one minute. One minute, 60 seconds. And did you notice that towards the end of the one minute, some of you couldn't help yourselves? We started out quiet, and then came the giggles, and the rustling, and the stirring. Some of you, I watched you. Some of you started doing this business. Because you were uncomfortable. I didn't keep looking at my watch because, you know, I was hoping this would end soon. I kept looking at my watch so you would see me move and know that I wasn't having some kind of an episode. Okay. (laughs) No, dear, I'm not having an episode. She's in the nursery listening. But it's uncomfortable. And just like our kids, we find it very difficult to sit down and hush up. Even in our devotions, sometimes our devotions can be more labor than they're intended to be. We, we, we've got we to get this done. I've got to read a certain amount of chapters. I've got to dig something out of this thing. And before long, it stops being what it was meant to be. 
When you sit down for your devotions, can I remind you that the whole purpose of that time is that you let God feed you. And just like with a little toddler, it's hard to feed somebody that's steady moving. Three things tonight that we need to meditate on. Number one, meditate on God's wonders. Go to Psalm 143, would you? We'll be in the Psalms all night tonight. We won't be here all night, but we'll be in the, the, the time that we're here. We'll be here all night. We'll be here. Oh, just forget it. Psalm 143. A Psalm of David. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. And then are not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul, he hath smitten my life down to the ground, he hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. Now, what's interesting is the word that's translated from shiach here is not meditate. That's from a different Hebrew word. The word translated from shiach here is the word muse. What does muse mean? It means to think. Thinking is quiet, isn't it? It means to think. God give us Christians that are deeper thinkers than what most people are. You know, to think. It looks as though this psalm is on the occasion of David being on the run from Absalom's rebellion. And in verse 4, we see that he is overwhelmed. You ever been there? I have. Man, I had a period of time in the not-so-distant past, and it wasn't anybody doing anything wrong. It wasn't anything like that. It was just, I was overwhelmed. And sometimes when you get like that, you feel like you've got to work your way out of it. But that's not what David does. I like how John Phillips puts it, and I want to give him credit for it. In verse number 5, we see that David, as he is overwhelmed and all of this seems to be coming against him, David chooses to muse instead of to mope. What do we tend to do when things get bad? We mope. But what we should be doing is we should be musing. Musing on what? I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the works of thy hands. What is he talking about? He sits down, probably in a cave somewhere, and he starts thinking. And he remembers when he was out on the hillside. And a bear and a lion came against the sheep. And God empowered him to deal with that bear and to deal with that lion. And maybe not too long after that, he's on the hillside again. And one of his dad's servants comes and says, David, come to the house. And he comes and there's old Samuel. 
And Samuel has a look in his eye. David doesn't know this, but the look in his eye means God's just spoken to him and said, that's the one. And he kneels before Samuel and is anointed to be the next king of Israel. He thinks about when he was 17 years old or so, how he stood with five smooth stones in his pocket, in his bag, a leather sling, and a blaspheming giant. And God helped him slay Goliath. He thinks about all the times that God has guided him and delivered him. And you know what he finally reaches? He says, man, I serve a wonderful God. But sometimes we can't get there if we don't have the discipline to sit down and hush up and muse, meditate on the wonders of God. I'm going to invite you to do that again. Don't fear the silence. One minute. Muse on the wonders that God has done in your life. What did you think about? Certainly we thought about our salvation. Maybe you thought about your wedding. Maybe you thought about your kids. Maybe you thought about that miracle that God performed in your life, that need that was met, that loved one that was reached. We could take a whole lot longer than a minute, couldn't we? Meditate on God's wonders. Number two, meditate on God's work. Psalm 77. Let's go back to Psalm 77. Here we see a man named Asaph. And we can't be sure, but it looks very likely that Asaph lives in a time in which the impending fall of Judah and Babylon is not in the distant future. To the chief musician, to Jedithan, a psalm of Asaph, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord, My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. By the way, that word selah, you know what it means? Stop and think about it. 
Psalms, the Psalms are full of encouragement to sit down and hush up. Verse 4, thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart. The word translated from shiach here is commune. With what does he commune? With God? No. With his heart. You see, Asaph is surrounded by the ungodly, Jew and Gentile alike. And in the midst of this, he communes with his own heart. Now, what does that mean? It means he is quietly examining his own spiritual state and measuring the work that God has been doing within him. What is God's, after, after salvation, the redemptive work at Calvary, what is God's most miraculous work that he does? The answer is you. You are God's work. What does the Bible say? We are his what? Workmanship. We're his eternal project. And we would do well to hush and commune with our hearts and assess the work that God is doing in us. So I invite you again. We'll take one minute and meditate, commune with your heart, and think on what God is doing in you. I can't speak to what the Lord's been doing in you individually, but I can speak to what he's been doing in me. And I believe that I can speak in what he's been doing in us corporately. Something's happening here. I don't know that we're in full-on revival quite yet, but something's stirring. To To use the Bible phrase, there's a sound of a going in the mulberry trees. God's spirit is moving. Meditate on God's wonders. Meditate on God's work. And this one's probably going to be pretty predictable. Meditate on God's word. Psalm 119. 
That's the subject of the whole psalm. Psalm 119.15. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. What are his precepts? That's his law. That's his word. I will meditate in thy precepts. Something that I really have to work hard at is when I do my devotions, I've got I've to make myself not try to get up a sermon. Sometimes it's not about, oh, that's good, and jot that down and jot that down. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes I just need to sit down and hush up and read what God has to say to me and then just meditate on it. And sometimes God's Holy Spirit reminds me of that. Andy, I know you love your people. This isn't for them. This is for you. This is my message to you. I have ways of getting it to them. This is between me and you. How does God speak to us? Through his word. Who wrote Psalm 119? Nobody knows for sure. I, I, I'm not going to say this to, it's to the level of a conviction, but I have a strong, strong suspicion. I'm a big proponent of the theory that Daniel wrote it. And if he did, it's interesting to read Psalm 119 from what we would think would be Daniel's perspective. Meditation, if, if this was Daniel or whoever it was, meditation was a key component in their spiritual success. We're in Psalm 119, look at verse 23. Princes also did sit and speak against me. Well, that sounds like Daniel, doesn't it? Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Go over to verse 78. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Andy, this guy at work, man, he's coming he's coming for me. Or my neighbor, they just can't stand me. These people just dislike me. What do I do? Meditate on God's word. That's what Daniel did. Daniel had the power to do away with most, if not all, of his enemies, but he never did. When Daniel was made one of the three presidents, the Bible's clear. He was number one. He never did anything but meditate and pray. And God took care of the rest. What are we missing from the spiritual success of our lives? I think a lot of us are missing meditating on God's word. And you know what happens? The more you meditate on God's word, the more you want it. And it gets to where it's more important to you than anything. My flesh does not like it when God wakes me up in the middle of the night. But my spirit and my soul rejoices. Because I believe that great movements of God are more often than not born after midnight. 
And you have that happen enough times, you start looking forward to it. Any of us that have ever tried fasting, it's rough. But you reach a point where all of a sudden there's a clarity and the things of God get so much more in focus. That's how it's meant to work. That's what it's supposed to do. Psalm 119, 148. Well, 145, I cried with my whole heart, Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. I cried unto thee, Save me, and I shall keep thy testimonies. I prevented or preceded the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thine word, in thy word, mine eyes prevent or precede the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. The psalmist, be it Daniel or someone else, eventually got to where he'd rather meditate on the word of God than sleep. I don't think this is at all saying that he was so forlorn and so messed up that he couldn't sleep. And so, No, I think he chose it. He chose it. One last exercise. Let's take one minute and let's meditate. Let's do this. The page where you're, where you're on right now, okay? Somewhere in Psalm 119. Find a verse, read it, meditate on it. What verse did God speak to you about? Well, how do you know he spoke to me? Because he said, call unto me, I'll answer thee. Show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I don't know where you landed, but the verse that God brought to my heart. And by the way, when you meditate, sometimes you're meditating on something you've read, and sometimes in meditating on God's Word, He brings verses to your mind. You know what He brought to my mind just in one minute? I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. 
so what? Let me see if I can summarize this thing nicely. You ever gone hunting and took a kid with you? Or a friend that just can't be quiet? Maybe it was your wife or your husband. Perhaps you've said something along these lines. Now listen, we have got to stay quiet. Otherwise, this isn't going to work. I think that's what the Holy Spirit's telling us tonight. Andy, you have got to learn to stay quiet. Otherwise, this thing isn't going to work. What if I fall asleep? I had one of the most embarrassing things happen to me the other day. I have a big picture window in my office, and one of these days I'm going to learn to close the blinds. Because some of you, when you come by my office and the door is shut, what do you do? used to be that my desk was right there at the window. Now I've moved my, my couch and my chair that I often counsel at at the window, and I've moved my desk over because I get so easily distracted. When I would be at my desk, every time I heard a noise, I'd look out the window, look out the window. So I moved it, and it worked really well. But, you know, if somebody came in, they would see me sitting at my desk and immediately know that I was there. Now that I'm over, now it's... <laughs> Who is it? All of you do it. All of you. I was reading, and I sat down and made the terrible mistake. I sat down on the couch to read. I was studying a passage, and I was reading, and sure as the world, I'm out. Now, I can go all day, and nobody comes by my office the whole stinking day, but you let me fall asleep on the couch reading, and everybody and their sister comes by to see the preacher. And then I asked Sandra, was I snoring? And she wouldn't give me a straight answer. I can't tell you how embarrassing that is for me. I, I, I don't want to give anybody the impression that that, that couch is there for naps. It's not for naps. But I'll tell you, there may be times that you come by, and I am sitting there and my eyes are closed, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm sleeping because I'm learning to do what I can to shut out what I see and what I hear, to meditate on the things of God. You say, well, what if you fall asleep? Then you have fallen asleep doing the most noble, productive thing you can be doing and God knows you need the rest. May God help us to learn to sit down and hush up.